Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And welcome to episode 198 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of March 2017, and our Daikaiju discussion for the brand new entry into the legendary pictures, Monsterverse. We are talking about Kong Skull Island for this episode. I will be joined by my co-hosts in a few minutes for the discussion portion of the episode. But like most of these, we have a little bit of news to cover, some catastrophic events, and of course, we're going to play some music. So let's fire up the old radioactive jukebox and play a request from Tony, who wants to hear the opening theme to King Kong Escapes.
南太平洋のどこか神秘の島ドクロ島しかしそこは人類立ち入り禁止 What the hell is this place? You are going to tell me everything I don't know or I'm going to blow your head off. I spent 30 years trying to prove the truth. Monsters exist. That's Kong. He's king around here. Kong's god on the island. But the devils live below us. Now we started things off with the opening themes to King Kong Escapes, and that was a request from Tony. That is, of course, from the wonderful King Kong Escapes. From 1967. Then I followed that up with Giant Octopus vs. King Kong by Akira Ifukabe from King Kong vs. Godzilla. And that was followed by the Japanese trailer for Kong Skull Island, which once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This month, we take a look at the brand new movie from the legendary pictures, Monsterverse. We're looking at Kong Skull Island. And because we're talking about a movie that is still in theaters, I feel like this is very apt. Now hear this. Now hear this. We have massive spoilers ahead. I repeat, massive spoilers. Hey, I'm sitting here with Jeff Dean. Hey there. Clancy Peterson. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Martin Vavra. <laughs> hey, hey. And Dave Elfrey. Hey, I'm back. Hey, we just uh, all went and saw the Kong Skull Island movie, and uh, it was a good time. We had a great time watching it, and I'd love to hear what you guys' initial thoughts were. First up, who here has seen the movie before? I'm just kidding. Jeff, what'd you think of Kong Skull Island? I thought it was fun. That's like the one word I, you know, kept coming to me while watching the movie. Yeah, fun. Yeah. It's a good time. Okay. Is that all you wanted to say in your initial thoughts? Yes. Are we going to get more in depth? Or is this- yeah, we're going to go a little bit more in depth, but this is, you know, it's like 11 o'clock, right? Something like that. So it's not going to be a three Is it really? Again, I don't know. It feels like 11 o'clock. I'm going to blame Daylight Savings Time on that because everybody does. <laughs> Clancy, what were your initial thoughts of... Kong Skull Island. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. uh, And it was kind of what I was hoping. Best case scenario. I said uh, a film that would, uh, you know, be kind of scary and tense throughout. Mm -hmm. And then just have that bit of humor coming from John C. Riley, And uh, to lighten the mood as you're going through it. And that's exactly what it seemed to deliver. Martin Vavra. Uh, It was definitely a fun film. I don't think it was a smart film. Uh, I feel the tone shifted a lot in the film. 
Okay. Um, which we can talk more about later, but it, it, but it was still fun. I, I did enjoy myself. Right on, right on. And then Dave. I liked the hell out of it. Cool. Wow, I liked, that's a I, range of impressions I liked, here. I, like I it. liked it a whole bunch. Cool. For many of the reasons that I'm sure that, uh, that like Martin and I might have a like spirited cinematography discussion. Oh, you know, okay. Or something like that. I think but, that's uh, acceptable for this episode. But I thought, it, I mean, among other things, I thought it was beautiful. It was really. I thought it was, I thought it was well. I thought it was really uh, well designed. I, enjoy, I will say. Yeah, but I do. I do agree with what Martin said. There was a tone shift in there, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, that there was a there was a little bit uh, that I think uh, derailed it for a moment. But uh, but all in all, I think, I, I think it worked great. It was a lot of fun. Sure, uh, I think I will also echo the sentiment that it was fun. My first impression is that I think I'm I'm way too hard. On kaiju movie, on American kaiju movies, or you know, monster movies. So when I go to see these movies, the first thing I want, the very first thing that my eyes expect to see and my ears expect to hear, is you know, good dialogue, great visuals, great soundtrack. And I think I, even though I had low expectations going in, I think that I just hold American cinema to a higher standard than I should. See, that's funny. I actually had high expectations going in. Really? Well, because like, okay, all right, follow. John Goodman, okay, is great in everything. Sure, John John Goodman is great in everything. Uh, John C. Riley is great in everything. <laughs> Samuel Jackson is not great in everything, but he's great to watch every time. And you know, I'm sure they definitely a, choose the scenery. You know, I am. You you know, but that's his thing. But they, you know, it's it's like you know. Although I was. You know, I, I thought I thought it was funny. Like, I don't want to give it away. No, no. Uh, so yeah, here's the deal: before this episode, there's going to be a big spoiler alert thing. So we're ta- we're oh, here to talk oh, about okay. spoilers. I loved stuff. I loved how his how how Samuel Jackson's trademark line got cut off when Kong killed him. <laughs> I oh, love sure, I, yeah, I yeah. loved that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, but uh, the cast in that movie is great. I mean, it's just such a sure, good cast. Yeah. You can't. I I would argue that you can't get that many A and B list celebrities together on a movie that's total crap. You can get you can get them together sometimes on a movie that turns out to be pretty bad crap because like the producer messes with it and the editor screws it up. Sure, so, but that did not happen in this case. I think I, I I think I think it delivered. Okay, well, I mean, it's not. I don't think it didn't deliver on an enjoyable movie watching experience. It definitely was. I mean, I could see some people calling this a roller coaster ride. Uh, I know that I saw a whole bunch of stuff in there that was absolutely built for the 3D film engine that I refuse to go in, you know, engage <laughs> in. And overall, I thought it was fun. I thought it was totally worth watching. I definitely want to watch it again, as opposed to other movies where I've just been disgusted as I walk out of the theater. Not too many of them, but, you know, I was in very late in the game to this. I'm not a Kong fan. I said this in like one of the more recent episodes. As soon as I knew that there was a Godzilla versus King Kong, or that there, I should say, actually, that as soon as I knew there was a Godzilla, I was already in Godzilla's camp. Like, there's no such thing as a giant gorilla in my mind. You know, Godzilla is my <laughs> god kind of thing. So I just wasn't super amped for a new Kong movie. Even when Peter Jackson's came out, you know, that was... Like, oh, cool, you know, King Kong. Classic, you know, but I've never been a huge Kong fan. Jeff, what did you think of the actual monkey? I thought it was great because it's all completely computer generated. 
It sounds like a lie. Like, (laughs) I thought it was great because it was all completely computer generated. No, No, I I, I mean, I I bought he was my favorite character in the whole movie. Okay, okay. And um, the one thing that I really liked about this movie is that it was not a retelling of the same King Kong story we've seen. I completely agree. I completely agree. Every other movie. So I loved them. Because I thought, like, the best part of Peter Jackson's King Kong is when they're on Skull Island. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would just love a whole movie if that's all it was. I think the best part Fighting. of Peter Jackson's is when all the bugs are eating him in the, in the gully. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't even care, I didn't even care about the monkey in that movie. But, um, you know, it's like they're all on Skull Island, and that took up, you know, one hour of the three-hour running time of that movie. So I'm like, I was very, very pleased that this movie, other than the first 15 minute, 20 minutes, you're on the island the whole time. And it's exactly what you want in a movie called Kong Skull Island. It's a lot of Kong. It's a lot of monsters, a lot of fighting. Yeah, they definitely didn't go for the uh, hinted at monster. I mean, we saw Kong really early in the movie. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, 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 they didn't. I I mean, clearly you notice that when you're watching it. There was no hiding what this movie was. There was going to be no big surprise anywhere, like a jump scare from it. At least there was no like crazy Kong design. Like, you know, like that's usually why they hide stuff, right? It's like, oh, we don't want you to see our crazy cool design. We want the reveal to be so good. But this is basically a giant gorilla. Yeah, I think you got to really <laughs> dig down deep inside if you're going to go and like redesign a gorilla. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they seem pretty confident in their design mm-hmm. and their, all the monster design. And it, not only was it... Uh, you know, right from the get go, they're showing him. But I mean, these were well lit monster scenes and, you know, daytime monster fights, which I always love to see when sure. they're done well. Um, and I thought those played out pretty well in this film. Um, and it was kind of nice that, like Jeff was saying, how it, you know, didn't just rehash the original story. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to me, one of my favorite parts about, the original film, which I did, did just recently watch over again. Um, and I think if anybody hasn't seen it, they need to do that after watching this film because it is a, a great film, but, uh, is the stuff that's going on on the island. And this movie is called Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. And every time when they would kind of tease out dipping into some of the stuff, and I'm not saying that this stuff is bad in the original film, but I really didn't need to see in 2017 the love story. Between a giant monster, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, and the main female, and even even the movie itself really even kind of stayed away from a love story period. Which again, I it I, reminded me of Pacific Rim yeah, in that way. Right? I, it's like eh, yeah. there could be something going on between those two characters, but I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they don't need to do it. Yeah, and I I dig romantic films and all, but for this to be what? kind of <laughs> hey, <laughs> I will gladly admit it, man. Um, but uh, anyway. Yeah, just the fact that it was, you know, it was a monster movie. Uh, We got a sense of the island through the whole thing. It felt like a living, breathing world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that that was the main focus. Because another complaint, I'll just end on this, um, is the length of the Peter Jackson one. I hear that a lot. Yeah, that it's um, I'm not necessarily on that side with that. But for this one, it was kind of a nice, refreshing thing to just have that one chunk of the story where they're telling it on the island versus overdoing it you know by just keep going with the story so 
I don't have it in front of me. What was the runtime of this? Anybody know off the top of your it, head? It was like just under two hours. Yeah, I think it was okay. less than two hours. Wow. And there were a lot of I'm, previews. I'm impressed <laughs> because it seems like everybody goes for over two hours these days. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Martin, what did you like the most? All right. I'm going to get this out while I can because I don't want anyone else to beat me to the punch on it. Copying you. Right. Yeah. Master of the Flying Guillotine <laughs> happened in this film. <laughs> and as soon as like he's all and I he's all caught up in the chains and I'm like, oh, this is because this, you know, this movie has some neat little homages in a variety of ways. And he's caught up in the chains of the boat. And, and I was like, oh, this is pretty. And he turns and looks at the screws on that tipped over ship. And starts yanking on stuff. And as soon as that thing breaks loose, I was like, no F. And then he just <laughs> tosses that thing. And I was like, flying guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> Master of the giant flying guillotine. Oh, man. I just, I have no idea why that made me so happy. Yes, because wait, I do. Because awesome. I love that movie, yeah. flying guillotine. Yeah, Matt. So, you know, it, it, like I said before, it, it's not the smartest film. Um, and, uh, and we'll get into the picky things about it. But it, this this movie is it's clearly setting up for the monster franchise, the monster verse that and everybody's calling. It, about. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, Marvel has been setting up its stories for a long time and it's really been setting up a lot of pins. And Warner Brothers has been trying to catch up with that by just jamming everything into like a film with just complete ridiculousness mm -hmm. and i feel like this is kind of an in-between they're they're front-loading some stuff but not too much you can enjoy this film and clearly you know the end credit stuff sets this whole thing up but this is meant to really play into the godzilla film from 2014 um and so it's 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 enjoyable. You know you're going to get more. We're not going to get the Fay Ray and the falling off of the building. We knew that was never going to happen. Kong's probably going to make it through this thing, you know. And so it's it, it you can feel that the whole thing's being set up, but it was still worth it. Actually, it was still really enjoyable. I totally. I mean, I didn't know for a fact that they weren't going to take Kong <clears throat> back to New York or civilization. Um, I only watched like a trailer and a teaser before it, so I was really happy that they did stay on the island the whole time. But uh, you know, for my money, I I am really glad that they didn't go with the exact same Kong, uh, Fay Ray character, uh, dynamic relationship. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Bestiality is that the word you were looking for? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Because that's the word I, mean, I was looking. That's the word I was looking. For. If I was talking about the '77 Kong, I might like. Right. <laughs> like he's way oh, more pervy. Yeah. I mean, they're all pervy, but but seriously, I'm like when they said there was a new Kong movie coming out, I wasn't excited because I feel I do feel like I've seen the Kong story over and over again. I so. was actually upset when Kong was the one who saved Brie Larson in this one. I was like, they had done such a great job of staying away from the Fay Ray cliche for the whole for the whole movie. It's like, oh, okay, you guys, you tip the hat, he saves her life. <laughs> he looks at her wet T-shirt, then he puts her down. Okay, uh, right. You know, I could have I could have done without that. Mm -hmm. You know that 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 last movie, but uh, but besides that, to your point, you know, showing a new story, staying on Skull, Skull Island, like Jeff and everybody was saying, it's like great, fantastic, love it. Yeah. Give me more. 
this was ready for the sequel. Yeah, I mean, this is if this is the sort of direction that they're writing these movies to be because I thought this one was way more fun than Godzilla, right? Like, yeah, actually, definitely was mo- yeah, more fun on purpose yeah. th- than Godzilla was. So, I think. I think everybody in this room remembers the exact time and day that I said that the God, the, you know, Godzilla 2 needed to be something fun. So I'm really glad. I'm just kidding about that. You guys remembering <laughs> the thing. But no, I think it's just it's just it's the amount of monster time, the mo- amount of on-screen monster time. Sure, but I mean there's also the underlying level of seriousness. There like there's a level of seriousness, but there's also a level I mean, nobody, of humor. Nobody's dad died in in this one, so in, it's not as not as heavy kind of thing or is- I, I don't think that's necessarily what I thought okay. was the heaviest part about Godzilla, well, no. the legendary Godzilla, but yeah. it was really, it wasn't funny. I mean, this had John C. No. Riley for, for great comedic effect, I thought, and I thought it was funny. I thought they did a good job of being serious and funny. That's like the, what I want in a giant monster movie is I don't want it to be like, ter- actually, I would love a terrifying, absolutely terrifying Godzilla movie someday, but for the most part, I want something that is going to cast a wide net and and hit not just audience members and get them into the movie, but also my emotional range and pull me into the movie a little bit more. Well, I think like for this movie, I know some people don't watch trailers and avoid a lot of that stuff. And I saw, you know, like the first two trailers for, for this film. And I think what was advertised was what you got, which was exactly not what happened with the legendary Godzilla movie. They made it out to be something that it wasn't. Sure. And I and I know that's not necessarily the movie's fault, but when you go into it kind of expecting something, because Legendary sold that Godzilla movie as a dead serious, extremely scary affair. Those first couple trailers they put out. And that that's not the movie you got with Legendary. I still think they were trying to figure out what the movie was that they were going to deliver, to be honest. That's probably why those trailers were the way they were, because I think they were still digging the story out in the edit. I think I'm going to have to watch this a few more times to actually settle on how I feel about some of the human elements of the story. Mm-hmm. There are no human elements. Yeah, I mean, because that that is, I could. Yeah, what do you what do you what do you, what do you mean? I could have <laughs> some complaints about that, but what I was going to say though is, I think to your point when you were talking about, you know, how this one feels a little different than 2014 Godzilla with. Like there are heavy moments in this film. It's just sort of the vibe. It just, I think it moves along at a different pace to keep it still feeling like a monster movie. Whereas some of that stuff in the 2014 film was seemed like drawn out Mm -hmm. the continuous, like hunt for his family and all that. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff here again, maybe I would have liked to have it more developed. I'll have to watch the film again, but from that first time viewing, it was just refreshing to go, Oh yeah, that's pretty heavy. What this character is at least somewhat dealing with, but then getting back to Skull Island and all these cool monsters that I want to see, I do like and love. The human element is important to me, Um, but I mean, for the fun aspect, a lot of that is going to come from, you know, the monster stuff. Well, and and you hit it too because they were really trying to sell Aaron Taylor Johnson in the Godzilla film. I think they were trying to change the game for him as far as what he is as an actor and sell him as an action star and all of that jazz. And that's this film kind of doesn't really focus on. We're going to sell you as an action star, but we're not going to put you in an action movie. <laughs> well, but, but his, his, he's, but he is action in there. I mean, he's, 
trying to be. I don't know. God. Well, the human hey, man, won't rehash Martin, that one. You don't but. have to make excuses for Aaron Taylor Johnson <laughs> I anymore. I don't want to. It's like just go make Kick Ass Three and leave the rest of it alone. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. We didn't. Other than the Moby Dick story in this one, we really didn't spend a lot of time unwrapping anybody too much in depth with any of that, and it, it kept the fun in it. Yeah. And I mean, I some of that might be a fault. Like I said. Um, I, I, I am kind of walking away, sitting there thinking like some of these characters, I don't even remember if they had lines like, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's what you want though. As many characters. So it's more fodder for the monster. I mean, I do want that, so. but at the same time, I, if, if I watch this five or six times, I might no longer want that. Cause then I kind of want a movie to be a little bit more. Yeah. Um, sure. Dude, the survival yeah, yeah. rate was actually quite high. Yeah. It was, but as soon as we saw, as, as soon as we saw how many people made it out of their out of the helicopters, I was like, "Oh, there's going to be some good deaths. We're going to see yeah. some good deaths in this yeah. movie." Yeah. Um, I just kind of thought, you know, all the human characters in this movie are basically just getting you from one set piece <laughs> to the next set piece, mm-hmm. one to the other. Not that that's a bad thing. Yeah, I was worried that they were going to take John C. Riley because he, he pops out, and I'm like, ah, look, it's Dennis Hopper from Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and then. Then they get to the scene where like Tom Hiddleston says like I'm going after I'm going I'm going I don't even remember save where he was Kong. going. What's it? Yeah, I'm gonna go save Kong. And then John C. Real is like, "Me too," or whatever he said. I'm like, "Oh no, is he gonna be Randy Quaid from Independence Day now? Because this is gonna ruin the whole thing." <laughs> Actually, the I'm, first thing I thought I was like, "Don't split up the party." Oh, uh, and then there's yeah. that. Yeah. But but yeah. But I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't like do that. Because that would have that would have that would literally have ruined it for me, just like Randy Quaid ruined Independence Day. Well, you know, you know, the one thing is, I really thought John C. Riley is not going to make it. Second, I thought if you're stuck on an island for 28 years, you're going to be a complete misfit when you come back to the United. And I, I, if we're going to get into the things we disliked about it, uh, want to Dave? Did you get to tell us what you liked about it? About about John C. Riley surviving? No, necessarily. Did he get, did he gets about the to movie. go home and see my friend Beth from college? That is pretty cool. I was there. My friend Beth from college was John C. Riley's <laughs> wife in Kong. It's it so fun. Okay, so that no was idea. the thing that Dave loved most about the movie. Now no, let's hear the no, no. Honestly, the thing that I loved the most about the movie was the scene. It was the it was the wide shot while Kong was fighting the big skull crawler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a wide shot when they were running away with the, everybody was running away in the foreground and the two monsters were fighting uh, and the water was splashing all over them in the background. And I was, I looked at it and the way that it was rendered and composed and that, the, that all the water uh, was splashing off of them. And I was like, Oh my God, that is a perfect shot. Right. The, the way that that was the, the action and the composition and the rendering of the creatures, mm-hmm. the CGI, it was perfect. It was, it was like for a moment I looked at it and I go, I'm watching two monsters fighting yeah. for a moment. There's a scene there. I bring this one up a lot with my friends when we talk about, um, compositing in films and, and CGI and stuff like that. There's a scene in Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. uh, when they're on. I don't remember what planet, what the planet is called, but they're on the bug planet and it's the infantry is there and they're wiping up after the, um, uh, the air force has come in and strafed everything with the big napalm bombs and everything they're going in, they're fighting. And there's a, there's a scene, there's, there's a crane shot where they're on, they're on one of those like desert. They're in that, they're going through that desert valley and a a few of the, um, the roughnecks are there and they're shooting this one bug on, on, on this hill. 
and they're just blasting it to pieces and you're watching it from a, from far away from a crane shot. Mm -hmm. And I watched that scene over and over and over again because it's perfect. You can't, it's seamless. I got to see the scene. Oh no, it's so good. It's just, it's just the craftsmanship on this one shot. It's like, I believe space soldiers are shooting apart a space bug mm. in this, you know, in the shot. It was, it was that seamless. And Kong has a shot like that too. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch, I'm going to, when I get this on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever, I'm going to watch it like 15 times in a row because it's beautiful. It's yeah, perfect. I, I think like the, the one scene you're talking about, um, that I really loved. And I think it's the same sequence as where she fires the flare. Yeah. And you're behind her and you see the flare go up, but in then in the background of the two monsters yes. fighting. Yeah. And at that point, you know, c considering everything you're watching is a CG creation, I was like, I was into it. I'm like, I buy this, right? You're invested into Kong fighting. So I'm like, I don't, I almost forgot I was watching CG. And I, like, yeah. And I am a huge practical effects guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Huge, like from horror movies and science fiction movies, everything. Huge practical effects. So it, in a way, it kind of hurts me <laughs> to see CGI come sure. to this point. But then again, you know, it's like, Peter Cushing's alive again now, so it's like it's all good. You know, it's like they're doing. <laughs> we pretty, talked they're, about they're, that before the movie. They're doing pretty bit. good stuff. They're doing pretty good stuff. So uh, that seems like a decent segue to say, Jeff, if you liked that scene, what was it that you didn't like about Kong Skull Island? And I mean, the, like, okay, pick, my, pick maybe one big thing or maybe okay. a few little things. All right, I'm just gonna pick the one criticism I have that. And this is a small criticism, and this goes along with what Clancy was saying, is I wasn't really emotionally invested in anything. Sure. It's giant monsters fighting, and, that, and that's cool. That's awesome. That's what I wanted from this movie. But none of the human characters, I, you know, you don't You care. didn't care about them. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying they gave you anything to really care about. But the one thing that really irked me was the whole last, during the final credits, when John C. Reilly, you see him go home. I'm just like, why did you? force this in here <laughs> it seems so out of place in the movie it's like okay he's getting home and he tells you know telling the story about oh he had a son and his wife i'm like she's still she's not married <laughs> she didn't move on i i actually on. really liked his character until then yeah. i didn't okay, feel like we needed that was fun he i felt like he embodied his character more than anyone else he just had well he's fun. the only he one that really had like any sort of character soul, yeah like. everybody else was just kind of going and Samuel Jackson's character, you know, you got to have the bad guy, basically. Um, the stay on target guy. Yeah. I, I've i found my villain and I'm not going to give him up. I was kind of hoping John Goodman would have lasted a little bit longer. Right? He kind of had like, because he was talking about, you know, his story about how he was the only survivor on the, I'm like, I was hoping, oh, they're going to sit around a campfire. And he's he's the Brian Cranston of Kong Skull Island. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I thought, like, no, exactly. Because he touches on that like he was on the ship. He's the last survivor. He tells Sam Jackson. He doesn't tell anybody else that. He, that's Sam Jackson's the only person he really divulges that information. So I'm hoping sometime later on, towards the third act of the movie, he's going to come out and say what he thought he saw and, you know, why. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of disappointed. Because he's the only, John Goodman's the only actor who's going to get his name on the cover of the Blu-ray that died, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, well, Sam Jackson. Will, oh, Sam Jackson yeah, died. That's right. Yeah. But he made it, to, pretty much made it to the end of the movie. You know, yeah, he did. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. No, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Okay. I stand corrected. All right. So. But it's but it's a small criticism. That's I mean, a small I, criticism. I mean, I still, it delivered what I wanted it 
to be, which is giant. Because you didn't seem too happy, right? On my first impressions question, you were just kind of like, yeah. Oh well, no, I liked it. It was fun. Okay. I, I, you know, if I was to grade it right now, I wouldn't give it an A. Sure, it sounds like you wouldn't. I would give it a solid B. All right, professor. That seems that seems really (laughs) that seems really high for anyway. I'm not going to confront you too much on it. I just want you to tell us why you hated it. <laughs> no, uh, Clancy, what about you, man? What did you not like about Kong Skull Island? Well, I should go as a Chicago White Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little upset with all the Cubs jokes, but then he had to go and rip on the Detroit Tigers. And I thought that that was one of my favorite jokes in the movie was when the guy said, tigers could kill a bear and he's like oh of course it's a little cub yeah uh (laughs) duh (laughs) um but yeah so i'll just go with that but um you know again like i said i think i need to watch it a few more times but there is something about the fact that like there were a couple of interesting actors that were playing in the film where i'm just like some of these science characters where i didn't mind that they wrote off like a bunch of the guys that were sitting on that boat but some of the actors that actually went on the journey, um, I do wish that I would have get to know them a little bit more. Sure. And yeah. Even yeah, John yeah. Goodman, where I'm just kind of like, man, it seemed a little unfair to just like have him taken out all for like a special effects thing where they have the camera go down the monster's throat. Couldn't they have given the camera to one of the three soldiers that had zero lines in the film? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am a little like, well, why'd you set up this whole thing with this boat? And then they even have like his little ID sitting there. And maybe that stuff is going to get expanded in the way things work now. There'll be a comic book or a, probably not a web series, but something that goes right. on. Something to continue. Yeah. Or just unfold parts of the story that we didn't get. Yeah. So I mean. I didn't really necessarily get the feeling that this was just setting up a franchise film, which is kind of what really annoys me about a lot of modern films. Mm -hmm. It did feel like a standalone story. It really didn't feel like that, you know, jump to another point until that after credit scene, which did seem as fun as it was a little lame. Um, But again, it's just uh, what I mean by lame is I mean, not the monster reveal stuff, but just like them sitting in the room seemed a little but again, it's an after credit scene that definitely felt like the franchise transition where they're just like, we're going to get you in for the next few movies. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the Avengers. Yeah. Stinger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I did like it. Um, although I do have the feeling that, you know, that was kind of setting up for Ghidra and not, I think they were just taught, maybe they were just tossing Rodan and Mothra in there to. Because it kind of focuses on yeah that Hedra that post credit sequence. I honestly, I don't, I honestly don't want to put any stock into it no, at all. Really. I honestly want to put it into just like oh, they're they're world building, and that's it. Yeah. Not necessarily that Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidra are going to be in the Godzilla sequel. Yeah, yeah but I thought I thought that was already, I thought that was already leaked. Well, that was already I it that was, was already leaked a thing. that they had um, acquired the rights to use them, but there was never any information about the capacity of how they would be used. So essentially uh, anything, anybody, anybody that says Godzilla two will have Mothra, King Ghidra and Rodan, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're totally guessing 
they're guessing based off of probably information that they heard, which was that Legendary acquired the rights to use those characters. Yeah, so I, that, again, I'll just, that would be my negative is just that character development. I didn't, I don't need a ton of it, um, but something tells me on revisit, someone to be like, that's the woman that likes to take a lot of pictures. That's the science guy that. <laughs> no, you want to root for somebody yeah. in the movie. You want to be able to feel that peril that they're in. That's why I think it's really important to have human characters in these movies that you can connect with. And just to, just to quickly counteract that though, I, John C. Riley's character did satisfy in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was going to love his character going into it, and I did. So nice, you know. nice. Well, Mister Vavra, now it comes to the time where you give me the list. It's not <laughs> a list. A list. <laughs> it's not a list. So, um, uh, I would agree. Jeff and Clancy both hit on it about the character stuff, so I don't have to, and I agree with them on that. Uh, the characters were just kind of more plot device than they were developed. Um, I'm I'm actually going to come back to the tone shift, and it, and this is for me. I don't know how it felt for you guys. I, I did feel like there were times where they were having fun. I felt like they were going wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, like there were some things where they kind of were enjoying the fact that they were making this giant gorilla film in Vietnam. There were other times where I felt like they were taking this very seriously and they were trying to make a very serious, more scary, more intense film. And then it kind of felt like it switched back over to like, here's my wink at you. I'm winking at you. Oh, no, we're now we're back over here. And I, I felt those, I felt those really dramatically Mm. and it, and it, and it annoyed me because it made me feel like they either couldn't figure it out and they were making it up as they went uh, or somebody was like, we need reshoots. You know, it, it just it it didn't feel like somebody fully, completely either trusted going one way or another or even knew how to do it. So I did. I didn't pick up on like the tonal shifts really that much. I thought the whole movie kind of felt very fast paced. I'm not, I don't want to say light, but brisk. Yeah, it does. It does brisk. move. It's because it is. I, it's I, a plot driven film. It is plot. It does feel brisk. But like when they've got the giant spider in there, like that's really super intense. It's rather horrifying when the guy takes it down the throat and he's pinned in there like all those guys are fighting. Like that's all like it's really that's a really intense scene for the most part. And these guys are really coming around to realizing, holy crap, like there's not just this giant gorilla. We've got this thing. But then when we see the guys on the boat and the little pterodactyls swoop off with the guy, I kind of feel like they're like that was almost comical how that thing flew off with him and tore him apart out there, which we never come back to ever again. (laughs) And nobody ever worries about being on the outside of the boat ever again, even though they just watched a guy get torn apart in there. Uh, There's just there's there's lots of places in there for me where it just like it just stood out where it just felt like. This is really intense right now. We're kind of going a little lighter and easier over here. So it, that's just how it struck me. I just kind of thought like they had got to the point where they're like, we haven't had anybody die for about 12 minutes. So pterodactyls. <laughs> I just liked how that guy's arm came off and it went. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he held onto his briefcase the whole time. It's <laughs> a really that's important briefcase. That's uh, yeah, that's going to come into play in Godzilla too. <laughs> 
Can I also just really quickly, briefly say how much I hated the fact that the monarch briefcases in the beginning of the movie were like the gigantic logo on the briefcase? <laughs> yeah. As a design friend, uh-huh. who the hell would ever do that? Oh, yeah, Especially when you're a secret organization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that secret. Not that anyway, secret, Dave, what, what were your negative takeaways from Con um, you know it's it all my negative t- takeaways I'm gonna I'm gonna file Kong Skull Island in with Starship Troopers and from Dust Till Dawn and from like like these these movies which are not great movies but which are just fun movies you just watch sure. okay, and, yeah. and and love and you can watch over and over again and um so I really don't have a lot of negatives on uh, on it i i enjoyed it you know there was there was a couple of um you know creature design nitpicky things mm-hmm. but it's just like it's like nobody else is gonna care about it it's like i didn't like the little sawfish pterodactyl guys i thought that they i thought they were kind of i thought they were kind of ridiculous it's like when 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 samuel jackson was looking through the scope and he saw it, it's like oh there's a pterodactyl it's got a Sawfish nose. What's gonna happen there? You know, it's like, come on. It's, it's like, was it the mist? It's like this is this, this is very strange. So, and then when they like sawed him apart in the air, I was like, oh, that's that's what they do. All right, surprise. <laughs> yes, evolution's wacky. Um, but you know, it's like, but but like for me, it was I didn't, you know, it, it was like super nitpicky thing. I didn't like that the skull crawlers only had two legs. Okay, it didn't make any sense to me. There was like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was just, it was just kind of a, a, like from an evolutionary standpoint, it's like, how did, I can understand like being a giant gorilla and like, he wasn't built like a gorilla, like in, uh, what was, what was the, the one where it was basically just a Mighty Joe Young, the remake of Mighty Joe Young. Oh, sure. Yeah. Basically just, just a straight up oversized gorilla. And it's like, this one had a more, had more human posture, more human proportions. Way his more arm, human posture. Yeah, his arms weren't super long. It looked like, like a like Shogun a, Warriors. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, you really. Know? And yet then you've got like the skull crawlers with their two legs and that kraken that had like 85 tentacles and like <laughs> everything else there was like, there was a little bit more freedom with the character design. Mm-hmm. You know, little sawtooth canaries and the whole thing. But, you know, Kong was almost a guy, you know, it was like, like a CGI version of a guy in a suit. Which I thought was which I thought was an interesting choice, um, just from a from a straight up creature design standpoint. But again, super nitpicky. I sure, mean, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, the movie was mm. really fun. It's okay if you get yeah. little teeny tiny nitpicky yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was like it was really fun, and it was chock full of monsters, and that's what we do these movies for. So thumbs up. All yeah, right. I, yeah, I would kind of put it in the same category as like Pacific Rim. On the level of fun fact. Pacific Rim is another one of those that belongs in that folder. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. One little thing I want to bring up are the natives. A little disappointed <laughs> in the natives. Because they were so peaceful? They didn't do anything. <laughs> they just <laughs> nodded. Not that they have to be savages or... They are the but, Skull Island savages. But, you know, I guess they did something different. They're just extremely... But they built some nice. That's a big wall they built. There. Well, you know, and a whole contraption gotta... where they built a thing for the boat to go yep, in and out. I totally was like, wow, that's a, that's really impressive. <laughs> I know the one boat they built that whole big thing. Yeah. And like John C. Wiley, was he like a god? <laughs> Did he mate with like all the? I mean, you know, just questions I want to know. Okay, <laughs> I think they were just by the book. I think they were chill because they're like, well, we're about like this big, and everything else here wants to eat us, and so either the monkey yeah. takes care of us or he doesn't. Let's go farm something. 
that, gonna, that gonna... totally falls under that same. I'm glad they didn't just retell the original Kong story because the natives in, I mean, the natives in the original 33 Kong and the 76 is it? Yeah, 76, 76 Kong. Those were they would have took scary ish. They would have took but they were Brie natives. Larson and put an ooh of course, white yeah. woman and, and offered her to come. But then the the natives in the 2005 movie were terrifying yeah those were scary so actually i really like the natives in this movie so screw you dean <laughs> i thought they'd be a little bit i guess because they had actually seen a white man because john c riley's been living oh yeah that's true too for, for 28 years in a sense if you think about it like this they treat kong like a god because he is a benevolent god that is not terrifying them he's saving them so maybe they're more peaceful because of that he didn't seem to want to eat a random native every three years or whatever he does in the other film when they're offering him up either. And so. didn't you get the impression, you know, at the end of the movie, I was kind of thinking no one's going to survive because I thought like, okay, how are they going to get around this? Because how many people survived? Like seven? A lot. You know, I'm like, how are they going to keep everybody dead quiet about what this island is? And then at the end, when Kong saw the helicopters coming, I thought like, oh, the implication. He, he, I you thought know, like he's going to, they're never going to get out of here. Yeah. The implication is that he was like, oh, more of those things. Got to go, got to go smash Because yeah, he looked pissed off. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I thought it was going to be like. <laughs> and I thought like he, they're going to show him like charging and they could end it right there. And See, I thought it was, like, I thought, I didn't even think it was, they were going to show him charge. I thought it was going to be the end of the, like the end of the graduate where, you know, it's <laughs> like where films, where film students would discuss what that ending meant for years to come. But because of the post credit scene, we know that they all survived. So it didn't happen. Yeah. But it's like, oh, yeah, well, obviously what happened is that he went, you know, he went apeshit and he, he smashed all the helicopters and everyone died. Or, or they all went to live with John C. Riley and his native friends. And, yeah. you know, they're they're there forever now. And John C. Riley and Kong are roommates in the Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> I have more confidence in that boat that John C. Riley built than everyone else here. Because <laughs> I think Kong did smash the helicopters and then they just... Sailed on out through that electrical storm and that nifty. <laughs> I like that. I like that. World theory. War II plane. Yeah. But what did they say? Boat plane. I don't even remember. Float. A float. 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 Oh, was it a float? I float. thought. Yeah. yeah. It's a plane boat. It's a float. I would have been fine if they would have had an ending where you did not have Hiddleston and Brie Larson, and they just had people talking about, oh, this, you know, and you could shoehorn in Godzilla, Mothra, and everybody else. And then you kind of leave it up to like, did they make it out or not? I would have liked that ending a little bit better. That would have been better. You're absolutely right. That would have been better. Because you're kind of like, did they make it out? Because I kind of well, felt like, well, Kong. They totally could have brought in Ken Watanabe, too. But yeah. this but this yeah. film is 74, supposed to be taking place in 74, and yeah. the new Godzilla was Mine. 2014. Oh, no, I'm just saying they could have brought in, like, instead of bringing, like what Jeff was saying, instead of having, like, Hiddleston and Larson surviving the picture and being in that room. Right, If right. they just needed a, a vehicle to show that uh, that little film that the monarch made. Yeah. The monarch. The film that monarch, <laughs> that monarch. made. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> uh, then they could have brought in somebody to be like, all right, Mr. W you know, Dr. Watanabe, or whatever his name is, Dr. Serizawa. Right. I can't believe I forgot that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but it was Ben Watanabe that played him, I think, wasn't it? Uh, Ken Watanabe Ken played Watanabe, yeah. Dr. Serizawa, Dr. Yeah. Akira Serizawa yeah. in Godzilla 2014. But anyway... Uh, the thing that I liked least about Kong Skull Island really was, I want to say, I think it was the pacing, but it's weird because I liked how fast it moved, but I did get the feeling that 
we're missing longer scenes with the characters. I guess that that I didn't want to say that it was the writing because I don't really feel that the writing was that bad. But I saw Max Bornstein's name on the on the credits. Yeah. And I think I saw it on the opening credits. <laughs> it kind of made me twinge a little bit. It's just every time I because of what he did with Godzilla, like I just don't have very much confidence in him in, as a screenwriter. So seeing his name attached to any of these pictures is just going to make me go. <laughs> I would say that, you know, the thing I liked least about it is that we didn't probably say, you know, all it's all related, right? Like yeah. the writing, the pacing and the character development, right? It's probably why that's my biggest nitpick with the movie. I kind of think like the only time you have two characters that really have a conversation that seems to last more than one minute is when Samuel L. Jackson has the gun pointed at John Goodman. Everybody else is kind of like, every scene is like it's about 30 seconds. Of, you know, it's like nobody's really ever kind of connecting. Sure. Talking to each sure. other, it seemed like. But Hey, Martin, I actually had a question for you. So you, when you're talking about the tonal shifts, I th- was totally on board with what you were saying because I thought you were talking about that whole beginning thing. The tone was like, apocalypse now and or at the beginning of apocalypse now and or war movies in general where there's yeah. a, a sort of buddy buddy thing and then when kong shows up then that's when the tone shift happens but where, where were the tone shifts for you well yeah i think or they, was it a constant back and forth it, it, i thought it was constantly okay. back and forth because i really did feel again like the scene with the spider i felt like the spider was a very horrifying scary tense action like stuff's going down these guys are all freaking out but later on there are are places where i feel like those encounters are a little more just more calm a, li- a little more goofbally sure. yeah and and just other scenes that i feel like they're they are kind of giving you the wink and the nudge that we're having fun and and we're playing this up we're hammering it up. especially when john c riley comes in even though his character is better he's hammier in there and it kind of feels like his hamminess like bounces around with people. And there's some, a couple of fun little moments where they're playing with it. Then there's a couple of times where like, he's the lone ball in the, in the pinball machine and it's not going anywhere. And cause everybody's just kind of flat and boring and uninteresting. And, and so those feel like shifts to me. Like they don't know what they're, what tone they're trying to keep with and okay, any okay. of this stuff. And they're, and, gotcha. and, and they're not developing characters well enough to keep with that either. All right. So uh, now that I've sort of spilled my guts on the movie, let's totally do like our final thoughts on this. Jeff, final thoughts for King Kong. Sorry, just Kong Skull Island. King Kong, King of Skull Island. What was it called? King of Skull (laughs) Kongland. Kongland. I love it. I really liked it. You know, I want to see it again for sure. And it's kind of funny because the nitpicks that have kind of come up about Oh, no characters. I remember when Godzilla 2014 came out and I was like, oh, God, all this character bullshit, (laughs) you know, get to the monsters. And uh, I mean, this movie delivered what I wanted it to be. And that is Kong fighting various monsters. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I on Skull Island. Yeah, it was. It's Kong Skull Island. And I was pleasantly surprised. So if you never see another Kong movie for the rest of your life, you'll be satisfied. Sure. All right. But I will say one last thing, and of course it just left my mind, (laughs) probably because of, what is it, midnight right now? That's close. 
oh yeah, is that I was worried that it was going to be like, oh, set up for like a, oh, we're not going to get feel fully satisfied because it's, you know, set up for a whole universe. Mm-hmm. But this is a good standalone movie. I it, think it's a good. No, it totally is a standalone movie. movie. If somebody didn't like Godzilla, some crazy person out there didn't like Godzilla and they only liked King Kong, they could just go see this movie and not have to worry about the whole monster verse. Yeah. I think if you like giant monsters, go see this movie at the theater. Especially after we've already spoiled everything for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the best time. Clancy, final thoughts on Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Um, even with everything that I had said, um, you know, negative about the film, from beginning to end, I really did enjoy the movie. Um, it is what I wanted it to be, which is I was sitting there through that whole film, like not knowing whether something nasty was going to happen. I want to be afraid of Skull Island Mm -hmm. and the monsters that are on Skull Island. And that's exactly what happened. Um, When I saw, I did have some, it wasn't really too big of a spoiler, but right before we went to see this earlier today, I saw someone say that there was going to be a nod in the film to Cannibal Holocaust. And that was in (laughs) fact the scene where that guy gets impaled by the spider, by the spider's leg, the bamboo spider leg. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that I I don't know if that's intentional. Well, I didn't read the article. Cause I just, I usually don't That's read stuff wild. like that, but, uh, it, the headline, the was, clickbaity headline the, got the, us. Yeah. The click, yeah. well, the clickbait, <laughs> I saw it too. Yeah, I saw it too. And the clickbait headline was that it was intentional. Yeah. I have nothing to back that up because I don't know what the article said, but I just think it's cool that they actually, let me get John vote Roberts <laughs> on the phone here. <laughs> um, I just think it's cool that they went there and to me, it felt like a horror film, but at the same time was kept, had those moments of lightheartedness. Um, and it, and some of those touching moments with some of the characters that did at least have me, you know, feeling something. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was a tense ride and standalone solid film that I hope to see again. Right on. Martin Vavra. I want to emphasize something that Dave said earlier, which is when we gave our things that we didn't like, that was super nitpicky. I really had a good time watching this film. This was like a really excellent fun popcorn go to the movies summertime in march film mm-hmm. honestly i i really dug this film i would tell people to go watch this thing and when i have been the little grumpapus about the films that we've watched here for not liking them or whatever this is what i've wanted them to be Grump-tipus. interesting grumpapus yes <laughs> <laughs> Kongland grumpapus we'll get all new vocabulary now. <laughs> Let's contact the Webster's Dictionary and get these added as soon as possible. Dave, what about you, man? Final thoughts of Kong Skull Island. Yesterday, I was looking forward to the year 2020 just so that we could vote that clown out of the White House. Today, (laughs) I am looking forward to the year 2020 so that we can see Kong and Godzilla on the same screen. It has been so long since I have cared so much about when a movie is coming out. And the fact that it's still three years away is going to kill me now. It's going to kill me slowly. Well, at least you'll just like just like that clown in the White House. Sure. Well, let's hope you make it to 2020 because there's a lot of good stuff coming out. I made it. Not from the White House. I made it political. I know. I know. Give me 
There's a lot of stuff coming out that's good. Where was I? Not from the White House. Not from the White House. <laughs> the, the fries will get him before then. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dare to dream. Final thoughts from the controller here. I I enjoyed Kong Skull Island. Lady Kyle did not go with us tonight, so I'm looking forward Boo. to her going and me seeing it a second time. Because as I mentioned right out of the theater, and I may have mentioned this during the recording, that I don't know, I must hold these movies to some high ridiculous standard. And I just, I'm looking for, I think that's the deal is that after seeing where Japanese kaiju films have failed for me as a movie watcher, even though I love them dearly with all my heart, I have always wanted to see the perfect giant monster movie come out of America that, you know, gives me what I want. And that's a purely selfish thing. And I'm cool with that because Kong Skull Island really did at least try to deliver on a lot of stuff that monster movie watchers want to see. That gives it bonus points for me. So I would actually kind of, I'd give this a solid movie score. Boom. This is a solid movie. <laughs> That's Yay! A, uh, I mean, I seriously, it'd be like a, a solid C, totally worth watching. Not worth, you know, complaining too much really about. Really a C? You'd only give it a C? In terms of a general movie, yeah. Uh, I watch a lot of really bad movies. I watch a lot of Fs. So on sure, curve, sure, sure, on sure, curve, sure. I'd give it. A, I, I, I'm. I, it's. It's skirting a minus for me. Nothing but Oscar winners for me, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I watch some bad movies. I just don't watch as many movies as I want to. But uh, I, this is in terms of like I gave Godzilla 2014 like. Some stupid score, like four out of five stars. I don't know why at the time. <laughs> Pacific Rim. I The whole rating system is flawed. You so, guys. Somebody in their homework <laughs> is going to come up with an interesting one. There's always someone in oh, the there homework. there are some great ones. So, in yeah, homework, there will I'm be sure. this one. So now that I've said, now you said that and I've four, reiterated it, four there out better of five, be some good ones yeah, in here. Four out of five lifted bridge uh, wall sections for boats. The only one. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Four out of five dangling briefcases. <laughs> Whatever. I enjoyed it very much. I'm sure that that could potentially change after seeing it more times, too. Or after you talk to Brian. No. Brian will hate this movie. Brian will, Brian hate, this will hate this so movie. Much. He will hate this movie so much. But Brian and Rachel will hate it. Oh, hate you think really movie, both of so them? I think so, because there's nothing cute in it for Rachel. Oh, the so good that they have each other. But we... <laughs> Three of us were at the Kong documentary, and I honestly, before going to see or getting hyped to see Kong Skull Island, I was actually kind of down on it just in general. I was just kind of like, I don't really care that much. You know, Kong movie again, not a Kong fan. So uh, sure, I'll go see it. That was sort of my vibe. But after being at that documentary and hearing the love that people have for King Kong, which very similarly echoes my love for giant monster movies in general and Godzilla specifically. I was way more excited to see this film. And, you know, Rachel was there. It would be nice if they did actually see it. I would love to hear their negative thoughts on it. I would love to hear what anybody has to say. I mean, that's the whole thing about these movies is nobody has to agree with me all the time, except Jeff. Jeff has to agree with me 100% of the time. And I do. That's why you 
slip me those checks once a month. <laughs> and if you want them to keep rolling in, you just keep that yes sirring. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I mean, I'm really glad that we all went to go see it together in the theater. It was kind of uh, it's just, it's an experience going to see these things in a the theater. And if you have listened to this and you haven't seen Kong Skull Island, I just think you should. It would be good for your psyche to go see it because who doesn't want to see a giant monkey smashing stuff right right uh big thanks to those guys for coming out and hanging out with me also big thanks to chris glaw you're going to hear from him in a little bit when i read his homework but he came out to our sort of viewing group and uh and watched kong skull island with us it was pretty fun hanging out i think i definitely want to do that more often in the future. So it, essentially, anytime there's a giant monster anything, we should do it. Derek does that stuff with uh, Monster Kid Radio. So I really think that the Kaiju cast should take advantage of the giant monster angle. And I know he would not mind because he's a pretty solid dude. So that was the discussion portion we had here in the studio right after we saw the movie. I did want to follow up a little bit though and just kind of bring up a few points. I have since seen it twice. So I actually went last night with Lady Kyle, and I have to say, I wasn't really moved either way on that second viewing. Honestly, I think it's a good movie. It's fine. It's a lot of fun, and that's what really counts sometimes. So I absolutely will watch it again. I don't have any hate towards it, but for some reason, I just wanted it to be better. There were just things about it that I didn't really like so much. Also... For the record, the bamboo spider's leg going through the soldier's mouth was absolutely an intentional reference to Cannibal Holocaust. Now, at the time of this outline's creation, Kong Skull Island has pulled in $392.1 million U.S. dollars, and that is worldwide. Domestic, it earned $135 million. 16,390. Again, that is at the time of the show notes creation here. Now, to compare, Godzilla's domestic take was 200,676,069, and Pacific Rim's domestic take was only 101,802,906, since I'm being thorough. So what does that mean? That means that Kong's doing pretty well. It's doing better than Pacific Rim. Uh, it did. And I'm sure it's probably going to do better than Godzilla in the long run. And worldwide, those numbers are awesome. I mean, all of these movies are doing gangbusters overseas, which is just awesome. And if I didn't say it, those numbers are according to Box Office Mojo. Anyway, I am definitely stalling for time because I have to apologize to everybody now, I know this isn't really my fault, but I wish I had taken a closer look at what was happening much earlier because I didn't realize that I wasn't getting my emails after the server move. I could have sworn that I tested it, and uh, I just, I'm kind of too busy, so I didn't even realize that I wasn't getting emails from the website. Still getting lots of spam. I don't know how that works, but anyway... So the issue was that the MX record was pointing to the wrong server. So for a period of time, like over a month, I didn't get any emails. Unfortunately, this is like the worst part about it. The website, the KaijuCast website, if you used it to send in your homework, which I totally told you to do. I said that in the last few episodes. So uh, this is why I really feel bad. I actually said that 
while it was broken, having not tested it, because I'm a bad webmaster. But I do everything here, so please forgive me. And uh, if you sent in your homework and you didn't see the notices, uh, I apologize. If you want to send it in, what we can do is we can add it to the comments on Facebook for this particular posting when I when I share it on Facebook. That's about all I can really do. I'm not going to go back and re-edit it. I mean, I love you guys, but I also love myself. Thankfully, though, I was able to catch it in time for some people to send it. And actually, thanks to Mike Keller for pointing it out to me, because if he had not said something, I may have not even noticed for another several weeks. <laughs> so with that being said, I think it's time for me to stop stalling and read the listener homework. Diego says that Kong Skull Island was a great summer blockbuster on a cold spring day. In the same way that the 33 Kong had a great pace with little downtime, this movie moved along. Not every movie requires character development, but the stranded pilot Marlowe did that. While Colonel Packard didn't evolve, you got the idea of why he wanted to win rather than abandon his misguided efforts in the good old 1970s movie style. Little gripes in total, but one that stuck out as it happened early in the movie was when the helicopters were taking off, no one closed the door on any of the 10 choppers heading into a permanent typhoon. The movie was liked as a whole, the cinematography, feel, and atmosphere was 70s without cheese factor, and nods to all the King Kong films. The biggest thrill was seeing the Toho coins at the end. Just like in Godzilla... 2014, and Shin Godzilla going in spoiler-free was great. Also, he saw it in IMAX 3D, but really can't say it helped much. But the sound was incredible. Diego would recommend this to a kaiju newbie, just maybe not a young one. A last question. Jordan Vote Roberts, bearded film director, small independent film one day, nine-figure feature films the next. When will Kyle be announced as director for Godzilla X-Kong? Oh, I don't know if I could handle that stress, man. Kong Skull Island is the exact type of giant monster movie John has been waiting on. There may not be a ton of depth, but man, was it a thrill ride. Seeing Kong go ape on some giant monsters while John C. Riley and the crew defend themselves from a maniacal island is money well spent. Can't wait for the sequel. Scott really enjoyed the latest giant film from Legendary Pictures, Kong Skull Island. He thought the special effects scenes were great, and Kong was a spectacle to behold. Scott thinks the film has more under the surface than people are giving it credit for. The film's themes question war and environmental degradation during its Vietnam War setting. It deals with the question of America's role in that war, specifically around Samuel L. Jackson's character. However, there's much more thematic substance here than characterization. There isn't much for Goodman, Hiddleston, and Larson to do, but what the script gives them is well acted. He thought the comedy with John C. Riley was great, and his character served as an interesting comparison point of America in World War II to Jackson's Vietnam. Finally, the special effects are outstanding. Kong's scene attacking the copters and fighting the skullcrawler beasts were all executed very well. The look of Skull Island in general is a fresh change from the more traditional look of the island to a more Southeast Asian aesthetic. It's not a perfect film, but Kong Skull Island is well executed and delivers the monster goods. Additionally, Scott thought the Godzilla teaser at the end 
was cool, and he thought it was great to see that they are actually showing us that Mothra, Rodan, and of course King Ghidra will be a thing in the next legendary Kaijuverse film. Godzilla 2 and Kong versus Godzilla can't come soon enough. And I tell you what, man, I will just cross my fingers for everybody and hope that those monsters are in the next movie. Overall, Mike Keller is liking the legendary monsterverse more than not. And of the two existing features, he would rate Kong Skull Island as better than Godzilla 2014. Although the latter movie hit a few high notes that he never felt this one quite reached. But Mike thinks the complete package was superior. For that matter, Mike also liked both legendary movies much more than Shin Godzilla. He'll go on further to say that this just might be the best King Kong film since 1933, or at least since 1967. Many have compared it to King Kong Escapes, but Mike finds it closer to Son of Kong, and that's only slightly. The movie easily stands on its own two feet as an original creation. Uh Uh-huh, see what you did there. Mike was pleased with all the monster designs, but found the giant water buffalo a bit odd. Although there were a lack of dinosaurs in favor of Wetsit Beasties, Mike notes the Ceratopsian skull in the graveyard. What did that used to belong to, eh? Speaking of bones, Mike notes that the skeletons of Kong's parents did not appear much longer than his current size, if at all, though it was noted that he's still growing. Kong's parents must have died early in their lives. Yeah, I did notice that too. I also noticed that the big one, Skullcrawler, wasn't that big. Anyway, Mike is very pleased Kong was not simply made into a giant silverback gorilla, as Peter Jackson had done, but more rightly looks like a completely unique species of great ape. He also notes that although Kong is offhandedly referred to as a king, this never seems to become part of his official name and he wonders if that will change in the future. Although Mike would say that he was not in love with any of these characters, in fact, any feelings that Brie Larson aroused in him were decidedly less than pure, he does find it unfortunately that if they appear in the MonsterVerse again, they will be portrayed as senior citizens. On the other hand, Mike has a feeling that the character of John C. Riley's son may have significance in one of the upcoming films. That would be cool. The movie supposedly has references to several other films, but Mike only caught Apocalypse Now and Jurassic Park. He also appreciates the early 70s rock soundtrack, but questions if the Stooges would have been well-known enough for servicemen to own their records. Okay, Mike is ready for the next installment. Jesse really enjoyed Kong Skull Island. It was infused with all the previous incarnations of Kong and gave the king a freshness that hasn't been felt in years. The Vietnam War setting was quite cool, and that gave the film a very unique feeling. This was not only a great monster movie, but a great period piece. The special effects were great, the acting was great, and of course, the after credit scene was just plain awesome. The possibilities of this connected to the MonsterVerse is very much akin to the Marvel movies. The 2014 Godzilla was Iron Man, but Kong is very much Captain America. This movie is the turning point. But Kong was indeed a fun and spectacular movie that Jesse will certainly add to his collection. Will firmly believes that Kong Skull Island is the best Kong film since King Kong Escapes. As a child, he watched the 33 Kong weekly, and he takes his giant apes very seriously. Brie Larson's anti-war photographer is a bit annoying, and Tom Hiddleston's Captain Conrad is paper-thin, but otherwise Will enjoyed the human cast, 
John Goodman and Samuel L. Jackson are dueling Ahabs, and the military guys and the geologists all have good character hooks. Not much you'd call depth, but they feel well-sketched to Will. Shea Wingham is great as Captain Earl Cole with his dry, no-nonsense demeanor. His double act with Mills, Jason Mitchell, is played largely for laughs, but when the stuff hits the fan, there's some real heart there. As the female scientist, Qian Jing, is given almost nothing to do or say, which is unfortunate because she's the only Asian with a speaking role. Sidebar, my boss actually saw The Great Wall, and apparently she is awesome in The Great Wall. The more you know... John C. Riley is fantastic as marooned World War II pilot Hank Marlowe and avoids being just comic relief. He conveys real humanity in the middle of some incredible circumstances. Overall, there were characters that Will really wanted to live and characters who just needed to die. The natives were well done. They're nowhere near the monstrous grotesqueness that Peter Jackson gave us or the central casting savages from the original. Kong himself is magnificent. The movie wastes no time in revealing him, but the pacing has a nice ebb and flow and gives us a number of quiet moments in which to just admire him. Throughout the film, Kong is shown to be a very dynamic fighter. As Dr. Johnson told us, Kong is a thinking animal. He uses rocks, trees, helicopters, and boats as weapons. Will thinks he'll give Godzilla a good workout when they finally meet. The standout sequence is the helicopter battle. The viewer rides along with the survey team and things go quickly south. From the first blow, Kong unleashes a relentless onslaught against these invaders, finding endless new ways to destroy helicopters. It's a frenetic, frantic ride, and the sheer visceral thrill is heightened by a real sense of righteous carnage. We, the humans, were asking for it. As Marlowe says, Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. Kong's good guy credentials are established in the scene where he rescues a water buffalo who has been trapped under a falling helicopter. This scene also gives us his first meeting with Larson's character, her attempts to help the wounded animal earn her some brownie points with the big guy. It's a good way of giving us a Kong-slash-leading-lady relationship without him just going gaga over the first white woman he meets. Their initial bond is forged through a shared act of kindness. Midway through the film, Cole tells the story of the gun he took from a 50-year-old farmer fighting for the Viet Cong. Sometimes the enemy doesn't exist until you go looking for him. Marlowe's World War II backstory, the Vietnam setting, and Packard's inability to let go of the war softly evoke the anti-war humanism of the Showa-era Godzilla films. There's some great cinematography, and the wall-to-wall 70s music is very effective. The visual effects are gorgeous. Will loves stop-motion miniatures and suitmation, but Kong Skull Island gives us glorious giant monster mayhem that could only be achieved by animators with computers. All in all, it was an immensely satisfying monster film. Every giant monster fan should see this. Chris actually joined us for the KaijuCast viewing party and says that it's always fun to see giant monsters with the KaijuCast crew. Kong Skull Island is a fun movie. Legendary did a fantastic job of showing plenty of Kong and other strange creatures. The fight between Kong and the giant skull crawler was epic. He was on the edge of his seat when Kong had the photographer Mason Weaver in his hand while fighting the giant skull crawler. Chris has decided that his new spirit animal is the Spore Mantis, because he's a sucker for a camouflage stick insect that is also enormous. Chris highly recommends seeing this movie on the big screen, and stay seated for the post-credit screens. Squeonk! Oh, this is good. This is Brian's brother, Tony. Tony was disappointed. Actually, I feel like I should ham this up. 
This is for you, dude. Tony was disappointed with Kong Skull Island. He stayed away for most of a week when it was released and kept telling himself that the idea of the movie was better than what probably was made. When he did finally see it, he was sadly correct. Neat idea. Weak execution. And why no official dinosaurs? I'm going back in my own voice now. Uh, I agree. Why no official dinosaurs? Those creatures, uh, he says, those creatures they conjured up seem so unnecessary when Skull Island is supposed to be populated by dinosaurs. Tony found himself wishing he could see King Kong lives again. Zing! Cameron went into Skull Island only wanting one thing out of it. A fun monster romp not too dissimilar to stuff from the 80s or Toho's Showa era. He got exactly what he wanted out of it, and the film managed to impress him in a lot of ways, especially with some of the creative camera angles and killer sound design. He also found himself liking quite a few more characters than he expected, particularly Shea Wingham's completely unflappable and dry professional soldier. His line, that was an unconventional encounter had Cameron laughing so hard due to its completely understated delivery. John Goodman's Bill Randa is a great update on the Carl Denham archetype, and Cameron found him very charismatic and intriguing. Samuel L. Jackson plays Samuel L. Jackson, but that is not a bad thing. This movie also made Cameron realize that he always kind of wanted a film like this, a group of survivors trapped in a hellish fantasy land of Skull Island just trying to survive, it was always a part of the Kong mythos, but this film really captured how terrifying it could be with creatures that you don't even realize are there. Cameron would kill to have a tabletop game based on this concept. Someone get to work on that. Also, he really enjoyed that of all the Kong films, this is the first one to him that doesn't feel like a retread of the original. Mostly by avoiding the girl and ape story, which he's never been a big fan of, even the two Toho films did this to an extent. Cameron feels that this originality works heavy in the film's favor, as he will probably revisit this one a fair amount, just behind the original 33 film. Finally, Cameron really likes the way both this and the 2014 Godzilla film opened. With real footage from the era slowly spliced in with the monsters, it gives it a great sense of realism. He also hopes they keep this style up. A strong 3.5 out of 5. Uh, and there you have it. Once again, I apologize if your homework did not get into this particular episode. It sucks, but everything should be fixed now. Okay, so uh, I just wanted to say a couple things at the end of this. General reaction that I have observed from the fandom, at least on social media, has been pretty positive. I mean, most kaiju fans seem to like this film, but like every other damn film, there are lovers and haters and people like me that just thought it was pretty good. Anyway, thanks again to everyone who sent their homework in for this film, and uh, sorry about the snafu, but for now, I have some things that I'll be linking to in the show notes here, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff that's been floating around the inner tubes, and I thought I'd just share it. First, TheVerge.com has an interview with the visual effects supervisor, Jeff White, um, about how they created Kong, and I'm not sure if this is the actual article, because I read several. One of them out there includes a segment where they talk about the fur on Kong and how they tried to make it look like it moved in the 1933 film, which I thought was kind of a weird choice. But when I watched the movie last night, I noticed it. Oh, additionally, Toho Kingdom has posted an interview with director Jordan Vogt-Roberts, 
This was conducted at a press event coinciding with a shoot in Hawaii, but it is pretty cool and it's interesting to hear him talk about how he wants to make the movie because this was while they were still filming it. Terrifying news out of Vietnam during the Kong Skull Island premiere in Ho Chi Minh City. A large, and I mean it was large, one source says 16 feet tall, but I would have said like 100. I'm very bad at gauging distance though. <clears throat> anyway, this massive thing, this is like a Kong Skull Island statue, which was already on fire, like they lit fires on it on purpose. The parts of it that weren't supposed to caught fire during the premiere, or at least during some ceremony. Uh, fear not, the fire was extinguished quickly, and after all was deemed safe, the resiliency of Kong's Vietnamese fans came through when they filled the theater to enjoy the film according to a statement from uh, someone in Vietnam. I'll have a link in the show notes to that story and also a better video of the Kong Skull Island statue thing float, maybe, on fire. It's impressive. Like, seriously terrifying stuff. Also, I want to know, did they enjoy the movie? Wired produced an informative video talking about some of the tools that were used for the CGI creation of Kong and some of the other creatures on Skull Island. And I'll have a link in the show notes to all of that stuff. And to end on a high note, during the promotion of this film, the core cast, or, you know, three of the members of the cast, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, and Tom Hiddleston actually went to Japan and were on a, uh, like a talk show or, you know, like a morning show, and they got asked a whole bunch of questions. And it was actually, it's really adorable, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to it because it's totally worth watching, especially um, when they get asked questions. And uh, Sam Jackson has, like, the best answer ever. I'm not sure if Jeff has seen it, but I think you know what it's going to involve if I brought Jeff's name up. Also, some other cool promotion that was done for the movie in Los Angeles. A whole bunch of King Kong footprints appeared everywhere. So there were some on the beach. I think there were some at like a shopping center or something like that. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Gigantic footprints. And they were pretty big. I'm guessing they were about scale. I'll have a link in the show notes to all of that stuff. But for now, it's time for me to tell you what next month's movie is. As I've mentioned before, we're sort of into the weird movies, the stuff that we haven't covered in the Daikaiju discussions. So we're going to be watching a 2009 film that is barely a kaiju film. It's called Demiking. And I've never actually seen this movie before, so it's going to be new to me. Like I said before, I think the website is working now. I seem to be getting emails. So if you'd like to send in your thoughts, questions, and reviews... Oh, and do keep in mind that I might not be able to do too much in the way of answering questions for Demiking, but, you know, go ahead and do what you want, right? Uh, I do need your homework sent in by the 22nd of April in order to be considered for the Daikaiju discussion episode. Uh, now, I'm a little parched, so I'm going to get something to drink. In the meantime, why don't you travel back in time to 1966 with our good friends, Rankin Bass. King Kong, you know the name of King Kong. You know the fame of King Kong. Ten times as big as a man. One day a 
Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. As we've mentioned before in past episodes, there is going to be an animated Godzilla film coming out of Japan. And this past weekend, a whole bunch of information dropped about it because there was an animation convention in Tokyo. And so there's a bunch of news out there. I'll have a link in the show notes to Slash Films website where they talk about some of the stuff. Plus, August Ragoni posted a bunch of updates about that as well. Even this morning, just this morning, literally, I'm sitting here at 7am. And when I woke up this morning, this video was posted on YouTube. And it's basically a promo video from Japan. Apparently, Watching it with YouTube's auto-translation subtitles is pretty funny as well. But uh, it's got some cool behind-the-scenes stuff in it. Not a lot of information to look at, but there are some cool little quick shots. You might see some spoilery, monstery stuff in, like, monitors and the like in this video. You know, so just a word of warning there. If you don't want to know anything at all about the new Godzilla anime, then don't watch that. Uh, next up, we have some more announcements for Godzilla 2. Well, was, actually, that's called Godzilla King of the Monsters or King of Monsters. I'm not really positive about that. I'm pretty sure it's King of the Monsters. Uh, in addition to Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler being cast for the film, uh, Vera Farmiga is also going to be in the movie as well. And it has been reported that Ken Watanabe will be reprising his role as Dr. Ishiro Serizawa. Ooh, I said Akira earlier in this episode, so <laughs> correction in the same episode. What do you know? Uh, anyway, this update comes along with the news that Straight Outta Compton star O'Shea Jackson Jr. is being eyed for a role in the film as well. I'll have a link to Variety.com's article about the new casting. And additionally, I don't think we mentioned this before, but Legendary Pictures has essentially created a writer's room for their monster verse. Uh, and that features Terry Rossio from Pirates of the Caribbean, Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne, who worked on Star Trek Beyond, T.S. Nowlin from The Maze Runner, Lindsay Beer from The King Killer Chronicles, Kat Vasco, who I guess wrote Queen of the Air, and comics and TV veteran Michael Straczynski, who did Babylon 5 and Sense8. Godzilla King of the Monsters is set for a release in 2019 now, according to this website followed up by Godzilla vs. Kong tentatively in 2020. They'll have a link in the show notes to geekexchange.com's article about the new cast members. Slightly shifting focus over to Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla, which just came out on Blu-ray in Japan on March 22nd, has uh, taken the first top two spots in the weekly Blu-ray disc chart, which is pretty amazing. This article on animenewsnetwork.com says it's the first Japanese film to take any of those two spots ever. So that's pretty rad. Congratulations, Shin Godzilla, on all of your accolades. 
Man, what a time to be a giant monster fan. Uh, and actually, speaking of Colossal, which is this Anne Hathaway movie, it's sort of an independent comedy kaiju film thing. I'm still not sure how I feel about the premise, although I think I saw some positive reaction to the film online. I will be in L.A. for Monster Palooza with Jeff and Clancy when this opens, which is apparently April 7th. But maybe I can organize another local KaijuCast viewing here in Portland. Stay tuned for that, I guess. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Colossal trailer where you can make your own mind up about if you're excited about Colossal. Uh, next up, speaking of trailers, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is returning soon. And they posted a trailer just last week, I believe. It looks awesome. I am biased, of course, but uh, definitely go check that out. And if you're interested in Mystery Science Theater 3000, Netflix posted like the 20 most requested episodes online. So check that out, especially if you have Netflix. And if you have Netflix, go ahead and add uh, Mystery Science Theater to your queue. Oh, speaking of, you can actually go ahead and add the Godzilla anime into your queue as well, or your watch list or list or whatever it's called now. Uh, it's out there on the on the Netflix. It's just not available yet. So once it's available, it should be automatically showing up in your list if you do that. Last but not least, a Power Rangers movie came out, and apparently it's not bad. That's about all I'm going to say about it. I should probably check it out at some point. I might wait for it to make its way to the secondary theaters. Moving along to catastrophic events. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, Monster Palooza is coming that is April 7th through the 9th in Pasadena, California. They are welcoming Japanese guests Mizuho Yoshida and Kieta Amamiya. They've got a ton of other stuff going on. Jeff Clancy and I will be going down. If you are going to that show or if you're in the area, we are planning a listener party for Friday night. That's the 7th. I think we're starting it at 9 p.m. I'm not exactly sure where it's going to be at the time of this recording, but I think it's going to be at the Doghouse, which is just a couple of blocks down from the convention center. I definitely will have a link in the show notes to the Facebook event page, which is where you should keep an eye on it if you want to uh, join us and hang out and drink some beer, maybe have some food, and just talk giant monsters. The next event is April 21st through April 23rd. That is Chiller Theater in Parsippany, New Jersey. They are welcoming Megumi Odaka, who played Miki Sagusa in the Heisei series. And they're also bringing in designer Shinji Nishikawa, who was, he's awesome. He was at Monster Palooza last year. So if you've been looking for an opportunity to meet those two personalities, check out Chiller Theater. Uh, there will be links in the show notes to all of these conventions that you can check out and uh, get tickets and so forth. Moving along to Mad Monster Party which is in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is May 19th through the 21st. Haru Nakajima and Ben Furuya are confirmed guests for that convention. Also in May, from the 26th through the 28th, Famous Monsters of Filmland has started their own convention. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas. They are bringing in a bunch of guests, but specifically from Japan, they're bringing in Keiichi Sakurai, who is the cinematographer for Shin Godzilla, and Shinji Higuchi, the special effects director for Shin Godzilla and a whole bunch of other awesome stuff like the Gamera Heisei trilogy. That's going to be in Dallas, Texas at the end of May, the 26th through the 28th. And uh, I'm not sure yet, but I might try and go to that. My brother lives in Dallas, so I might have a free place to stay. And if that's the case, whoa, who knows? Something awesome might happen. Moving on to the next convention, 
June 30th through July 2nd, Days of the Dead is a convention happening in Indianapolis, Indiana, with Haru Nakajima being one of their guests. Uh, Make sure you check the show notes for information about that show. Also in July, of course, we have G-Fest happening the 14th through the 16th in Rosemont, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, essentially. They're bringing in composer Michiro Oshima, artist Yuji Kaida, director Shinji Higuchi, and suit actor Ryuki Kitaoka for this awesome convention. If you haven't been to G-Fest, you should totally go. And if you have been to G-Fest, you know what I'm talking about. G-Fest is a blast. And of course, we'll be doing another listener party, and I will be there all weekend long. Moving right along to August 26th and 27th, Japan World Heroes in Pasadena, California, is bringing Ben Furuya, who played the original Ultraman in 1966, and Noburo Kaneko, who was the lead from Gal Ranger, and he was also in Tokyo SOS. Kaneko was actually at G-Fest a couple of years ago, so if you didn't make it out there, make sure you check out Japan World Heroes in August in Pasadena. October 20th to the 22nd, Grand Rapids Comic Con in Grand Rapids, Michigan, is welcoming both Haruo Nakajima and Sutomo Kitagawa to their convention. Make sure you check the links in the show notes to all of these conventions. But I had one last thing that is definitely related to all of these guests. Chodinshi Bioman actor Ryosuke Sakamoto recently underwent surgery. And Celebrity Icons, which is the company that brings all of these guests to these conventions, has set up a campaign to assist Sakamoto-san through this difficult time. The company has released the following statement. Support for Mr. Sakamoto from Super Sentai fans all over the world has been nothing short of amazing. Now, together with the leading cast of Bioman, we all can bring our love and support to the next level. It's customary in Japan to donate money to family or friends who are dealing with illness. Bioman co-stars Michiko Makino, Naoto Ota, Akito Osuga, and Sumiko Tanaka agreed to autograph a limited number of cast photos, which we are making available to fans outside of Japan. 100% of these autograph sales will go to Mr. Sakamoto in support of his recovery. If you'd like to donate to this cause, contact Jim Sirinella from Celebrity Icons. The contact methods are listed in the page that I'm linking to in the show notes. I should also mention that this is not an appearance kind of event, but uh, it should have been in the news section. The very well-received animated film, Your Name, is like one of the two films that did really well in Japan last year, that one and Shin Godzilla. Well, Funimation Films, who picked up Shin Godzilla, has also picked up Your Name, and they are going to be screening it next month, starting April 7th, actually. So check the link in the show notes to Funimation Films' website. That's totally playing here in Portland at the Fox Tower, so I might go check that out. Maybe that's another, like, viewing party. Anyway, that's going to do it for this particular episode. I think I need to uh, get to work. So (laughs) the big thanks to my crew for coming out to see the Kong movie with me in the theater. Big thanks to everybody who sent in their homework. Big apologies to everybody who sent in their homework and it got lost into the ether. Not to mention any other emails that I may have missed over that time. Uh, But, you know, I'm going to stay positive. I'm looking forward to our next couple of episodes. Episode 200 is coming up real soon, and I am not sure what I want to do there. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to KaijuCast.com, where you can see everything that we are about. Every single episode has been posted there, not to mention the Daikaiju discussion schedule and links to our social media websites, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. 
And links to our friends' websites are there as well, like Sci-Fi Japan and August Rigoni's blog, The Good, The Bad, The Godzilla, etc. Now, as usual, I like to close the show out with a little song, so we are going to kill this episode with the main title from King Kong vs. Godzilla, but this is sung by the Bukimisha Weird Secret Society. So until next month, Jamata. Mata.